dreamers. It was a year ago today that I was sitting in a Starbucks with my husband while my daughter was at softball practice. We had our fingers crossed that once we clicked to publish episode one of California Dreaming, we would soon see it appear on iTunes. When it finally did, I had this overwhelming feeling of accomplishment because I can't tell you, I can't even begin to describe to you how little I knew about what it takes to create a podcast. And I still don't know what I'm doing half the time. I make lots of mistakes. I have disappointments. But what's come out of all of this has been so much more rewarding than any of the difficulties I've encountered along the way. I first need to thank my husband, David, for first believing in me when I woke up one day and told him I needed to start my own podcast. He was like, let's do this. He literally figured out everything that I needed to get the show up and running. He puts in all the music, edits out all the foul language, and makes all the nitpicky little things that I want done happen. I may be the one who drones on and on into the mic, but he is the one that initially made it all happen to begin with. I also need to thank Nick of Orbital Jigsaw. He's the man with the vision. And when he came to me and said he wanted us to be a part of his network, I was very flattered that he saw some potential in the show. And ever since, California Dreaming has been slowly but surely growing. If it weren't for Nick, I'd still be out there aimlessly floating around in the potosphere, trying to figure out what in the heck I'm doing. So thank you, Nick, for believing in California Dreaming, for everything you've done and everything you continue to do. I also need to take the time to thank the podcast hosts out there who reached out to me and offered guidance when I first said I was thinking about starting a podcast. Many have been so kind and gracious and helpful since, but there are a select few who were there from day one. Deanna, host of Twisted Philly, she stepped up and helped me, encouraged me. As a matter of fact, she designed the first stickers I had printed for the show. Allie from Insight, she too provided me with guidance and support, and she also ultimately went on to connect me with Orbital Jigsaw. Josh from This Americana and Karen and Ellen Letters, he's like the marketing guru. He gave me lots of advice when it came to marketing and branding, which I actually hadn't really thought about, as I was too worried about getting the show launched. And Nikki T., who at the time we were friends first through being podcast fans, and now you all know her as the lovely voice of Arkansas Crime on her show, Strictly Homicide. Early on, I encountered a little bit of a bump in the road with the host of another California-based show who threatened a lawsuit if I moved forward with publishing this. Nikki T. was one of the first and fiercest supporters to lead the charge in eventually eliciting an apology from the guy. There were so many people on my side, but I just remember her being one of the first and the most vocal, in case you didn't know that about her. You don't want to make her mad, but you will definitely be grateful to have her on your side. Thank you, Nikki T., if you're listening, for being my friend in our pre-hosting days, into today, and hopefully for many years to come. To all of you who were there for me from day one, thank you. And I also want to share with you the true crime shows out there that inspired me. Already Gone, Insight, 
The Vanished, True Murder, True Crime Fan Club, Canadian True Crime, Misconduct, Court Junkie, Once Upon a Crime, Minds of Madness, They Walk Among Us, True Crime Island, The Extraordinary Stories Podcast, Case File, Mysterious Circumstances, The Nighttime Podcast, The Apex and the Abyss, Generation Y, The Trail Went Cold, Thin Air, Thinking Sideways, True Crime All the Time, True Crime Garage, True Crime Brewery, True Crime Guys, and there have been so many more shows that have launched since then, but these were the ones that I listened to early on that led me to want to start a show to tell stories that I wanted to share with you. I also need to thank everyone on the Facebook page who have been so fun, interesting, and engaging on there. Well, you know, I can't thank all of you. But I will take the time to thank the administrators of the page and those who came up as the most active in the group when it comes to comments, posts, and likes. As for the administrators, a huge thank you to Lisa J., Crystal Mack, Randy M., Valerie W., and our newest administrator, Kim H. Thank you for offering to give your time to keep an eye on the page. And a big, huge thank you to the top contributors on the page. These are the top 92. Vicki G., Dave W., Kim C., Mar W., Emily H., Zach V., Alfonso J., Jen M., Summer P., Justin R., Lindy B., Nikki T., Tanya T., Maureen R., Teddy G., Jorge G., Mandy B., Rebecca M., Tracy D., Mariella S., Lacey R., Amanda N., V. Marie, Anna T., Kimberly P., Elizabeth C., Janie W., Nikki H., Jennifer S., Melissa M., Jamie B., Christy E., Shauna S., Cynthia C., Jessica Y., Helen M., Jeanette S., Virginia M., Rebecca B., Janie D., Allison M., Paloma D., Terry S., Linda L., Teresa S., Helly K., Shelly M., Trina G., Laura T., Christopher L., Amber A., Leslie A., Thea C., Katja T., Dominique M., Bill S., Carrie B., Linda A., Samantha D., Libby B., Lindsay G., Kate W., Shadira M., Gina B., Carrie Ann W., Beth M., Roy S., Diane N., Sally J., Raven K., Paul C., Catherine G., Aaron S., Laura A., Donna M., Melanie B., Amy W., Joe F., Melissa H., Andrea M., Marion S., Amber L., Chris T., Sarah P., Dina P., Tony B., Megan S., Tina E., Senga R., 
Jim G, Don L, and Colleen D. Thank you all so very much for your comments and your feedback and your contributions to the discussion page. I also owe many thanks to those who have supported California Dreaming on Patreon. Those of you who have cared enough to go out of your way to support the show with any amount of a donation is more than I could ever ask for. And to all of you, there aren't enough words to describe how much I appreciate your willingness to help support the production of California Dreaming. Thank you to Maggie James, Beth Michelle, Randy, Vicki with two eyes, Shauna Sinclair, Jennifer B., Christy Elizabeth, Melissa Swigert, Crystal Mack, Tina Casey, Peggy Dressel, Amy Henry, Stacy, Valerie Whitaker, Jans, Catherine Boyle, Key Sardi, Sarah Powell, Lindsay Gonzalez, Jessica G, Lisa Janusek, Cindy Trube, Kim Cleveland, Karen Maurer, Nikki T over there at Strictly Homicide, The Swindled Podcast, Jamie Rice at The Murderish Podcast, The Whining About Crime Podcast, The Eye for an Eye Podcast, Gina Barton, Bill Steiner, Leslie, Annette Borgen, Alicia Woods, Christopher Lightsey, Gwen Ross, Melissa Fogel, Patience Ann, Robin Warder at the Trail Went Cold podcast, Andrea Miller, Anna at the Truest of Crimes, Jennifer Nolan, Rebecca Combs, Mary Evans, Tony Burns, Nikki Hames, The Getting Off podcast, Michelle Farrell, Shondell Young, Tuesday 2, Allison Foreman Rickert, The Les Mordia podcast, Stacy Williams, Sylvia C., Kelly McFadden, Lindsay Ayers, Jeanette Lanterman, Teddy Gingrich, who, by the way, I mistakenly referred to as a he instead of a she because I assumed that she was a he by her name when we did the addendum to the Elliot Roger episode, and I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. Anyway, Stephanie Sabin, Michael Kotu, Tanya Todd, Emily Hollister, Jennifer M., Cynthia Cooper, Amy Davidson, Amanda Newman, Melanie Baker, Carrie Ann Warner, Carolyn Markley, Jennifer Murphy, Mary Virginia Avery, Dave Weir, Fiona O'Sullivan, Katie Bonanno, Nancy Perrin, Jennifer Nolan, Christine Egghazaran, Llama Bug, Heather Budd, The Murder Road Trip Podcast, Emma Flavel, The Moms and Murder Podcast, Eileen Wilson of Misconduct, and Jen LaPaula. Thank you all from the bottom of my heart. Thank you. And so now that I've got the thank yous out of the way, I wanted to talk a little bit about some of the criminals that we've covered over the past year. I have a few updates for you guys. And some of you out there listening were so kind and gracious to help me research a couple of them and to write up a short update on some of the cases. 
On June 27, 2017, California Dreaming dropped Episode 1, The Tale of Random Task, and Jessica G. was so kind to provide us with an update, as read by yours truly. If you recall in Episode 1, we heard the story of Joseph's son, a failed MMA fighter and bit part Austin Powers movie actor who committed the brutal gang rape and torture of 20-year-old rocker girl Victoria on Christmas Eve of 1990. Nineteen years after the crime, Joe's son's DNA was matched to the rape and he was brought to trial. Because of the statute of limitations on rape being up, he was prosecuted for torture. On September 9, 2011, Sun was sentenced to 15 years to life with the possibility of parole. After his sentencing, he was sent to Wasco State Prison. The primary function of Wasco State Prison Reception Center is to provide short-term housing for new inmates while they are being processed. The facility also serves to determine inmate security level while evaluating their physical and mental statuses prior to transferring them to permanent institutions. And this would lead us to an incident with 50-year-old inmate Michael Graham. He was a convicted child sex abuser who failed to register as a sex offender when he was originally released from prison. Graham appeared to have lived a meandering life, failing to register several times in Santa Clara, San Francisco, and San Luis Obispo County since 2000. According to court documents, Graham was originally convicted of first-degree burglary in 1985 in Santa Clara County and then attempted lewd act against a child under the age of 14 in San Bernardino County in 1993. Upon failing to register for the sex offender list, he was returned to prison and given a two-year sentence and was sent to Wasco State Prison Reception Center on June 23, 2011. His cellmate was none other than Joseph's son. And Graham, who stood 5 foot 7 inches or 1.7 meters and 142 pounds or 64.4 kilograms, as compared to Sun's 5 foot 4 inches or 1.63 meters tall and 236 pounds or 107 kilograms, Graham was significantly smaller framed than the former MMA fighter. Dreamers, I would like to be able to tell you that Graham learned his lesson and was serving out his time peacefully, but in reality, this would not be the case for him. On the evening of October 10th, 2011, Sun killed his cellmate. At approximately 5.25 that night, prison staff got reports of a man down in the cell the two men shared. When they arrived to investigate, Sun reportedly told them, I told you I needed to get out of here. Graham was found to be unresponsive, and the prison medical staff attempted to administer life-saving measures, but there was no use. Graham was pronounced dead at 5.50 p.m. It would later be determined by the county coroner's office that his cause of death was multiple blunt force trauma injuries, as Graham was essentially kicked and punched to death, and his death was ruled a homicide. With these new charges, Son, the former MMA fighter, former actor turned convicted rapist who still had a chance of being paroled someday was now facing the prospect of a life sentence without parole or possibly even the death penalty if convicted of Graham's murder. The Bakersfield District Attorney's Office filed a murder charge against Joseph's son. Now, Dreamers, Jess wrote that she wasn't sure why, but prior to trial, the district attorney took the death penalty off the table 
and pursued a case for the murder of a convict by a lifetime prisoner which carried a life without parole sentence. But if I remember correctly from when I researched this case, I believe that bringing about the death penalty was going to require more of an involvement in this and future legal proceedings involving Sun's original victim, Victoria, and the DA, in speaking to her, opted to not try this as a death penalty case just to ensure the win. Death penalty cases are often more difficult to prosecute, and it wasn't like Joe Sun killed a pillar of the community. The victim was a convicted sex offender. I do believe the DA felt that they had the best chance of winning a conviction without the complications of making it a capital case, and the ultimate goal was to keep Joe Sun off the streets forever. So in August of 2017, just a few weeks after episode one of California Dreaming premiered, after a two-week trial, the jury found Joe Sun guilty of the lesser charge of voluntary manslaughter. The maximum sentence Sun could receive for this conviction was 27 years with the possibility of parole which is what the judge sentenced him to. It was reported that Graham, a very troubled individual who was on suicide watch in 30 days before his death, that the jury found him to be partially responsible for the altercation that led to his death. Son's public defender was quoted as saying, bad things happen when you have an individual on psychotropic medications and on suicide watch, and then you force that person in a cell with him. So Jess wondered why Sun was not convicted of murder and subsequently given the harsher sentence of either life in prison without parole or even the death penalty. He had already been a convicted rapist and torturer. As she was researching this update for California Dreaming, she began to think that because Michael Graham was a convicted sex offender, that this may have had something to do with that. That sometimes the victim is considered just as bad, if not worse, than the killer. And in a side note, Jess found some statistics related to the attacks and murders of convicted pedophiles in California prisons. They are killed at a rate that is double the national average, and sex offenders account for a disproportionate number of victims. Male sex offenders make up about 15% of the prison population, but accounted for nearly 30% of the homicides. It's common knowledge that when it comes to prison hierarchy, it said that pedophiles are the lowest of the low. Inmates may often target other inmates who are sex offenders because it earns them a reputation of being tough and more respect amongst the prison population. And what's more is that they are likely to do so if they are serving a long prison sentence and really have nothing to lose. We don't know if Graham was killed because he was a pedophile or a sex offender or not but Jess feels that this may have been a contributing factor and also the reason behind the jury convicting Son of the lesser charge of manslaughter. The upshot is, with both of these sentences, it is likely that Son will spend the rest of his life in prison, but he will eventually become eligible for parole if he lives long enough. And I would like to add that if there is a parole panel that will actually consider giving this guy another chance at freedom... If Victoria were to show up to his hearings and talk of that night so many years ago when he raped and tortured her, I doubt anyone would. And I also doubt that Joe's son is living the life of an exemplary inmate either. Thank you, Jessica G., for looking up the info in this case. You did a fine job being my voice. 
So next, we have an interesting update in the case of the death of Kendrick Johnson. The bonus vacation episode, Justin from the Mysterious Circumstances podcast, was so kind as to collaborate with me. And luck struck twice for me as Kate from the Ignorance Was Bliss podcast helped me to write this update on this story. She wrote, From what I understand in regards to Kendrick Johnson, the family continues to believe that there is some form of a complex, widespread conspiracy regarding the death of their son. Each time a new lab report or review of evidence indicates something pointing away from a deliberate murder, they add those responsible for the report to the list of conspirators. And each time the information services that might support their views, they repeat it until it becomes distorted and ominous in the voice of the media. This is not to say that I solidly believe that they're wrong, as so much as to point out the very human combination of terrible grief and what we in the field call confirmation bias, a tendency to accept what aligns with our beliefs as proof and reject what does not align as false or fake. At least part of their difficulties stem from the fact that most of their supporters are financially, educationally, and socially disadvantaged, while most of those doing the lab work, law enforcement, and courtroom are at an advantage on all levels, including along the racial divide. In the South, in a country that has seemingly backslid significantly in recent years, the family has received permission from the town manager to disinter their son for a second time, which means a third autopsy, perhaps a fourth, depending on how you count it as at least two physicians were involved in his first disinternment six months after his death in 2013. The cost of all of this is at the expense of the family, which may suggest that there is possibly an outside supporter of the family assisting in costs, because in 2017, the Johnson family was ordered to pay nearly $300,000 in legal fees associated with the civil suits that they filed. Though the suits did not make it all the way to trial, they were held responsible for the legal fees of their laundry list of defendants that they named. And as of today, it is known that Kendrick's body was exhumed on Friday, June 22nd at 5 p.m. But beyond that, as of this recording, there is no other information as to who would perform the autopsy, where it would be done, and what specific, presumably new evidence supported the exhumation or what new information is being sought. Thank you, Kate, for looking all of this up for us. Lisa wrote an update on the twin sisters from episode 10, The Tale of Sisterly Love. In 1996, Orange County 22-year-old twin sisters engaged in the ultimate battle for life. Gina Hahn enlisted the help of two teenage boys to murder her sister, Sunny. Gina and Sunny had been fighting after Sunny accused Gina of stealing her BMW. Gina also had a gambling problem. While Gina waited in the getaway car, the two teen accomplices broke into Sunny's home and bound her roommate, Helen Kim, with twine. The teens were unaware that Sunny was able to call police from the bathroom when she heard the commotion. The teens then bound Sunny at gunpoint, but soon police arrived and one of the teens was apprehended on the scene, and the other, along with Gina, were arrested later. For this crime, Gina was convicted of conspiracy to commit murder and was sentenced to 26 years to life. Her accomplices received 8- and 16-year sentences. 
Gina Hahn, now 44 years old, was paroled on May 24th of this year after serving 20 years at the Central California Women's Facility in Chowchilla, California. According to Orange County District Attorney Nikki Chambers, Gina never stopped attempting to manipulate people while she was in prison. She received letters from numerous male pen pals who offered her jobs, apartments, and money. One pen pal from England even offered her $100,000. The DA was also concerned that Gina never sought treatment for her mental health issues while incarcerated. Since her release, Gina Hahn has refused all interviews, and her whereabouts are not public information. We can't help but wonder if the sisters maintained communication during Gina's incarceration and if Sunny is at all concerned for her safety now that her sister is free. Thanks, Lisa, for the update on the sisters. And I guess if anything untoward happens between them, we should hear about it in the news. Dave W. wrote an update on Jeremy Strohmeyer from Episode 12, the story of the murder of 7-year-old Sharice Iverson. On May 5, 1997, David Cash of Long Beach, California, took his son, David Cash Jr., and his son's friend, Jeremy Strohmeyer, to the Prima Donna Casino in Prim, Nevada, located on the California border. Cash Jr. was 17 years old at the time, and his friend Jeremy was 18. When they got to the resort, Cash Sr. headed to the casino floor, and the boys were left to their own devices to wander around until Cash Sr. got tired of gambling. On that same day, Sharice and her 14-year-old brother Harold were also brought to the same casino by their father, and like Cash and Strohmeyer, his kids were allowed to wander around the casino while their father gambled. Harold was put in charge of his younger sister, but didn't actually watch her or stay with her in the way that he should have. They were separated and wandered around alone. Children aren't allowed on the casino floor, according to Nevada law, so many casinos have an arcade to keep kids busy while their parents gamble. In the arcade, around 4 a.m., Sharice would encounter Cash and Strohmeyer, and would subsequently be raped and killed by Strohmeyer in the women's restroom. After snapping her neck, Strohmeyer propped Sharice's body up onto the toilet and left her lifeless feet dangling into the bowl. Within days, the news of the murder would spread back to Long Beach and Strohmeyer would ultimately be tried and convicted on four counts, including first-degree murder and sexual assault on a minor, causing substantial bodily harm. For these crimes, Strohmeyer would plead guilty in a deal to spare him the death penalty, and on October 14, 1998, he would be sentenced to four life terms to be served consecutively without the possibility of parole. Today, Strohmeyer is 39 years old and resides in the High Desert State Prison in Indian Springs, Nevada. He married a pen pal named Desiree in 2009 and claims to work with the younger prisoners in a program designed to teach them to be less impulsive and to think about the choices they make. In May of 2018, Strohmeyer asked for a new sentencing hearing, claiming that he was still an adolescent at the time of the incident and was unable to control his impulses. The state has said that if he is granted a new hearing, they will seek the death penalty. Two years ago, the Supreme Court ruled that juveniles who kill one person should have a chance at parole, 
and Raul Strohmeyer was technically not a juvenile when he committed the crime, the judge, Doug Smith, is considering his case. He has three months to make his decision. Thank you, Dave, for the update. I appreciate you looking into this case. I know this was a tough one. And as for Strohmeyer and his attempt at being paroled, I have two things to say about this. One, a deal is a deal, and there should have been some sort of stipulation that there was not going to be any going back on it. They could have sought the death penalty when he was brought to face charges in 1998, but they took that off the table for the guilty plea. So, no do-overs, I say. And second, he was 18, so that's that. You weren't a juvenile, so you've got to just suck it up. Just when I think about that guy, and in that bathroom stall hurting and killing Charisse, I cannot stand the thought of him walking out of jail. Anyway, thank you again, Dave, for the update on the story. So, the next one I researched. In episodes 15 and 16, we covered the case of the disappearance in 2010 and the murder of the McStay family out of Fallbrook, California. Chase Merritt, a business associate of the family patriarch Joseph McStay, was arrested in 2014 after the remains of the four missing family members were recovered in the desert near Victorville, California. His trial has been going through a series of delays since we talked about this case last October. He was scheduled to go on to trial since then, but the proceedings have been delayed repeatedly. As of April through the beginning of May this year, Merritt's attorneys have been trying to have evidence suppressed that prosecutors believe reflect a financial motive for the killing of the family, with a defense attorney arguing that the business and accounting records of Joseph McStay are hearsay evidence and therefore inadmissible. But the judges said that he would not rule on the request to toss out the accounting evidence until just before the trial begins. This is a death penalty case against Merritt, and he faces four counts of murder, including those two little babies. His trial is scheduled to begin July 30th of this year, so it's coming up. The evidence Merritt's attorney wants suppressed are Joseph's QuickBooks accounts that show Merritt began writing multiple checks from Joseph's accounts to himself and began cashing them on February 5th, 2010 the day after the family was last seen alive. And over the next three days, he wrote checks totaling $21,858 under a brand new vendor in Joseph's books named Charles Merritt. The argument over these records being hearsay is, assuming Joseph was the only one who had knowledge of his business records and how they were managed, therefore he would be the only person who could verify any information about them on their accuracy but he can't because he's dead. So I will keep my eye on this case for you as it develops. And in episode 18, I brought you the story of the Gone Girl hoax, the kidnapping of Denise Huskins. If you recall, the Vallejo, California Police Department accused Denise Huskins of faking the kidnapping. And boy, did they have egg on their face when it came to light that the whole thing was real and the man responsible, Matthew Muller, 
was indeed the person who kidnapped and sexually assaulted Denise. Well, now the Vallejo police have egg on their face to the tune of $2.5 million for dismissing Denise's elaborate kidnapping as a hoax. Police realized that the two-day kidnapping ordeal that Denise recalled was in fact true when Muller, a disbarred Harvard University-trained attorney, was implicated in another crime and subsequently linked to the abduction. He pleaded guilty and is serving a 40-year sentence. Okay, so I will leave it at that for the updates. I'm now going to play all of your voicemails. Again, thank you to everyone who had all of the kind words and well wishes for the show. Thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedules to call me. And here's to many more years of California Dreaming. Hey, Roseanne, it's Janie from Murderous Podcast. I just wanted to give you a quick call and say congratulations on your one-year anniversary. You're doing an awesome job with California Dreaming. I love the podcast, and I admire so much uh, the hard work that you put into it. So thanks for producing such an awesome podcast that makes my ears very happy. And, um, yeah, I just what I've gotten out of podcasting over the last few months um, has been, you know, the best part of it really for me has been the friends that I've made. And uh, that's just invaluable. So it's been awesome. It's been great getting to know you. And, again, congrats on your one-year anniversary. Keep the awesome episodes coming, girl. Talk to you soon. Bye. Happy one-year anniversary. My name is Jessica from Kentucky. Thanks for keeping me company while I was recovering from heart surgery. I look forward to another year and many years in the future. Best of luck to you. Thanks for a great show. Bye-bye. Hi, Roseanne. It's Dave W. from Columbus, Ohio. Um, happy anniversary. I started listening to California Dreaming uh, in September of 2017 when I was looking for some other podcasts and things to listen to, and I came across your Dana Plato episode. I was a huge Different Strokes fan, and so this caught my attention. I gave it a listen, and, and I just fell in love with the podcast, your voice, the way the stories are told, the sympathy that you show towards victims uh, versus the exploitation of the story itself uh, just really touched me. I love the show. Keep up the work. I love that they're longer now. Um, you do fantastic work. So thank you for everything you and the California T- Dreaming team does. And I look forward to many hours of listening. Thank you. Bye. Hi, Roseanne. This is Cambo from True Crime Island. Congratulations on your first anniversary. I've been a listener since day one, and I love your show. Best wishes for the future from not only me, but from all the islanders. Hey there, Roseanne. This is Michael from Unresolved. I just wanted to call in and wish California Dreaming a happy one-year anniversary. You've done such a great job with the show that I still find it hard to believe you've only been around for one year. Blows my mind. Anyhow, I consider myself a dreamer, and I hope that you and the podcast stick around for many more years to come. Keep up the great work. Hey, 
Hey, Roseanne, this is Julie calling from St. Paul, Minnesota. Uh, I'm also known as uh, Rosarian on Twitter. I'm uh, not a podcast host, but I'm calling in to wish you a happy anniversary for your podcast, California Dreaming. Uh, I work in uh, healthcare, IT actually, which means I've got uh, several hours a day, even the whole day, uh, to listen to podcasts. Uh, but yours is on my A list, one of my favorites. I wanted to tell you that the episode you did about uh, Dana Plato was really one of the best that I've ever listened to. It was so moving. I've really never seen her life treated that way before. I was so impressed. Uh, anyway, uh, about podcasting, I guess it, it has changed my life. I, as I said, I, I listened. I before listened to a lot of talk radio and music, but podcasts are a lot more interesting. And I like the uh, true crime community here. It seems there's a lot of goodwill, um, a lot of cross promotion. That's very healthy. A lot of communities could um, follow that example. But anyway, not to be too long, I wanted to thank you and wish you a happy anniversary and many more great podcasts to come. And I uh, love your collaborations, too. Thank you. Bye-bye. Hey, this is Kate from Ignorance Was Bliss. Happy anniversary. I thought I would call and give you credit where credit is due because... You are one of the early podcasts I listened to that made me think I could do that. Not in the way that you do. Um, I think that your research and your tone and your approach is sort of incomparable. Not to suck up, it just is. But in something you said in one of your early, maybe your earliest episode about feeling encouraged by other podcasts and thinking, hey, I could do that too, that kind of resonated with me. Like, not right away. It took me a while. I'm not always real quick on the uptake, I think. But after giving it some thought and after realizing I'm overthinking and after deciding, you know what, it's just time to take the plunge, I took some confidence and reassurance from the fact that well, Roseanne did it, so I bet I could do it too, you know, at least give it a shot. And here I am, you know, sneaking up on 20 episodes in and just starting to feel like maybe I could do this thing, you know. So I really appreciate how much work you've put into it and how much evident effort you've done. And this part now, this is the second up part. So... Thank you so much for all your your contribution to my late night insomniac sort of hours and also just the true crime podcast field in general. And keep doing it, okay? Bye. Hey, Roseanne, it's Nikki T with Strictly Homicide. We have known each other long before we both had podcasts when we were roomies, or always roomies. And I just want to say congrats on your one-year anniversary. You are doing an outstanding job, and I look forward to your episode every time. Love you. Hi, Roseanne. This is Emily Hollister, one of the five Emilys in the Facebook group. I just wanted to say how much I love your podcast, and I'm so, so glad that I found you. Um, I can't remember how I found you. I just did and have been hooked and obsessed ever since. Um, 
don't know what else to say except keep it up. You're amazing. Um, never stop doing what you're doing. And, you know, it would be awesome would be a meetup, a California meetup. And even that cool moderator, Darren, can come if he can make it all the way from uh, the island over there in England. So, yeah, keep doing what you're doing. Love you. Bye. Hi, Roseanne. This is Valerie in New York just calling to leave a message. I got into podcasts only probably about eight or nine months ago now, and I was just searching for true crime podcasts, and I just typed true crime in, stumbled across your podcast, and everything changed. Uh, as you know, I joined your group, and I love the community that you've created, and I love your podcast. It helped me get into so many other podcasts, meet so many people, and I'm very thankful to you and to the podcast community. And I'm looking forward to everything that you're going to do in the next year. Bye. Hi, Roseanne. This is Veronica from Nebraska. Just calling to wish you a happy one-year anniversary for California Dreaming. I love your podcast. And keep going. I will definitely be listening. Hey, Roseanne. Good morning. Nothing like waiting for the last minute. This is Kim, Kimmy. I think the, oh, I can't. I just... Hi, California Dreaming. Summer Parker here. I will raise a drink in your honor tonight, hanging out with my mom friends for your one-year anniversary, and they will all get it because we love your podcast. Keep up the good work and that beautiful sing-songy voice that you talk about murders with. Have an awesome day. Bye. Hi, this is Carla from the Right Be Cupcakes podcast, and I am so proud of you. Happy anniversary. Hi, it's Tanya Todd calling. For a minute, I almost expected somebody to answer, and then I remembered. So happy anniversary, Roseanne, and um, let's see what else. To celebrate um, finding your um, your podcast, which I actually found through Justin at Mysterious Circumstances when you guys did that episode on Bryce. Um, a few months ago. Uh, so to, to celebrate today, what we're doing is slobbing around with the kittens watching The Staircase on Netflix. Um, because even though I knew that story, I had to see it since it just got released. And I just also listened to that BBC um, presentation. I forget what it's called, Beyond a Reasonable Doubt or something. So anyways, I have all the answers. So if anybody wants to just... Um, Check with me. I know exactly what happened, and that, of course, is, oh, my God, we have no idea because we're just leaning back and forth both both ways. I mean, he totally did it. I don't know. Okay. Anyway, so, Roseanne, uh, slobbery hugs and kisses from up here in Canada. Bye. Hi, this is Shadira calling all the way from the Netherlands. Yes, you got it right. All the way from the Netherlands. I subscribe to your podcast. I listen. Thank you, guys, for putting out great content, and happy first anniversary, all the way from the Netherlands. Looking forward to hearing some more great podcasts from you guys. Bye. Hey, Roseanne. This is Jessica, and I just wanted to wish your podcast 
a happy birthday and that you're doing a really great job. So I look forward to hearing more episodes and more collaborations. And that's all for now. Bye. Roseanne, Roseanne. This is Justin from MC Podcast, Mysterious Circumstances, and just calling to let you know, happy one-year anniversary. And uh, I don't know, you're kick-ass. I love working with you. You have one great show, and I hope for many, many more uh, anniversary phone calls. So I hope you enjoyed it, and congratulations on your anniversary. And like I said, I hope for many more. Hi, this is Kelly Swainson McFadden, um, leaving a message for the one-year anniversary of California Dreaming. Um, I just wanted to say how much I love the show and how it really feels like Roseanne is a friend um, just talking about all these cases, and she uses so much compassion um, in every situation, and her voice is just so soothing. Um, and anyway, I just wanted to say I love the show. I look forward to the podcast every week and all the bonus content. I just love it, and I hope it continues to grow. Love the community and uh, love your work. Hi, Roseanne. It's Liz from Ohio. I wanted to wish you a happy anniversary. It's been a real joy listening and getting to know you and your wonderful spin on things. So happy anniversary, and here's to many, many more podcasts together. Yes, Mr. Roseanne, this is Randy Meyer. Congratulations on your one-year anniversary of the podcast. Great show, great content, great distribution. Let the haters be the haters. Let your dreamers be the dreamers. Catch you later. Have a good one. And again, happy anniversary. Hi, Roseanne. This is Gina. Uh, it's a little scary leaving a voicemail because there's no edit button, but here goes. Like watching children grow, sharing this first year with you has been both long and fast. Hard to imagine it's only been a year, as I feel you've been a part of my life for a long time. And so much has happened in this time. It seems like yesterday when you were talking about two pods a day, the sisters, Sunny and Gina, the scary press <laughs> of Canarios, and the Twilight Zone disaster. I could go on and on. So many stories that are completely new. And your stories go well beyond the known facts and truly tell a tale. I know I've never heard met so many of them before. You have a most unique and intriguing style that is laden with facts and you never hesitate to indulge on details, which I love. So from one California girl to another, Roseanne, you are killing it. Congratulations on an amazing year of hard work, intrigue, growing, and creating. And thank you so much for sharing your dream with the world, even if it is killing California. Hey, Roseanne, it's Lisa from I for an I podcast. I finally got this thing to work. It's been <laughs> 500 times. But congratulations on your year anniversary. That's so exciting. Your podcast is amazing and such an inspiration to us and ours. 
We take so much notice of what you do to make your podcast so great, and we love to listen. So I'm so proud of you. Keep on keeping on. I can't wait for another great year. Hello, this is Hal checking in from Orlando, Florida. Um, I'm a new listener. Uh, I was looking for a podcast on the McDonald's massacre in California in 1984, and I wish I could give a shout-out to the podcast that directed me to you. I think maybe it was Minds of Madness or Generation Y. I'm not sure. I'm sorry. I've got so many true crime podcasts in my app, um, but... Anyway, the important thing is is that I found you, and uh, I love your podcast. Your storytelling is very compassionate, and I just listened at work today to the first episode of the misogynist and the manifesto. I might be getting that backwards. Maybe it's the manifesto and misogynist. But anyway, you said uh, not safe for work. Good thing we got Bluetooth earbuds, and uh, I'm just about to sit down with some uh, Pabst Blue Ribbon and a bowl of popcorn and listen to part two. So happy anniversary. Um, I'm late to the party, but glad I got to be here for the first anniversary party. Hi, Roseanne. This is Tina Egan. I guess you call me your dog park friend. Anyway, congratulations on your year year anniversary of California Dreaming. I love it. I listen every to every episode that I possibly can, as soon as I possibly can. And I've listened since the first day that you <clears throat> put your first episode up. So I've been listening for a year. Anyway, um, you've been getting better and better, and I love your storytelling and the stories that you choose to tell. So keep up the good work, and uh, I'm looking forward to many more years of California dreaming. All right, take care. Bye-bye. Thank you again to all of you who have listened to and supported California Dreaming in the past year. I'm looking forward to many, many more years of bringing you true crime tales from the Golden State. And until next time, as always, Sweet dreams.